Welcome to the audiobook version of the novel Mercy Not Sacrifice by Dan Parks, read by the author. Chapter 2 Hound Dog The family was smaller 50 years ago, as it had only been Grandpa John and Grandma Marta and the three boys. Times were different too. The year 1965 was a lean harvest for Gardenstown farmers, and Grandpa John's young trucking business that relied too heavily on hauling the grain that God didn't send struggled. The surplus the year before had inspired optimism for the whole town, and he had bought in too. By purchasing two new trucks and trailers with double belly grain hoppers, and had hired men to drive them both. They sat in the shop with no work, but he sent the trucks back before he sent the men home. They were the first two men Grandpa John had ever had to let go. School had let out early that day, and the three boys were in the basement. Archie, Sam, and my dad Donnie were all dancing to the Elvis Presley hit, Hound Dog. It said, if you ain't never caught a rabbit, said Sam. Hell, neither one of you has caught a rabbit before. Sam was seven years old at the time, and already nearing five foot tall. His young frame was much stronger than his brother's, but he didn't bully, rather he led. He had a buzz haircut and full dark eyebrows. I was close once, said Donnie, in the backyard. I snuck up on one, had it in both hands, but it slipped out like a wet balloon. My dad Donnie was a small boy, but with a strong will. He had learned early on to convince his brothers through dialogue. That ain't catching then, responded Sam. You had to have kept it. Well, if I couldn't be his friend, then Archie couldn't either, said Donnie. Both Sam and Donnie looked at their older brother Archie and laughed. Archie's red hair had been bright throughout adolescence and only softened once he'd made it through his 40s. He was quiet, but spoke up when necessary. Archie liked school and chose to read books rather than play ball outside. If I wanted to catch a rabbit, Archie said, I could. He then pushed his glasses back up the bridge of his nose. The record came to the spot where the song speeds up and gets louder and the drum beat rolls. Unbeknownst to the boys downstairs, Grandpa John had just walked in the door. Well, they said you was high class. Well, that's just a lie. If you ain't never caught a rabbit, then you ain't no friend of mine. The music echoed, exaggerating its volume off the basement walls and up the stairs towards the back door, where he stood, taking off his boots. Grandma Marta greeted him with a smile that he didn't return. Dinner's almost ready, she said. Take a seat, and I'll be right with you. She had been a homemaker since Archie had been born ten years earlier, and at thirty years old, her long and lean body showed no signs that she had bore three sons. Her short, shingle-cut black hair paired nicely with her dark lips and matching mascara. She deserved more than he gave her during those years, but it didn't stop her from giving that family all that she had. If her life had been reviewed by the Roman Catholic Church, she most certainly would have been canonized a saint. Grandpa John didn't sit down at the table, but instead he walked towards the basement steps. Turn that racket off, he shouted. He's home, Sam said. Donnie ran over to the record player and pulled the plug. They stood stiff as a board and waited for their instruction. Come on up, he said. In a single file, Sam led the way, and only in the kitchen did they line up in order of age. Homework done, Grandpa John asked. Slowly he met the eyes of each son. Rooms clean, he asked. He paced back and forth in front of them. Yeah, the rest of the week off due to the holiday, he said. I've got plans for you. Dinner's ready, Grandma Marta said. I'm talking to my boys, he snapped. 
It had been 12 years since Grandpa John had been discharged from the Korean War, and if he learned one thing from his service, it was that he was not to be challenged. He gave Grandma Marta the old familiar stare. She took the pot of navy beans and ham hock off the stove and poured it into her fine white porcelain serving dish that they had received as a wedding gift when she was only 18 years old. She then took slices of white bread from the bag and set it on a plate and placed a stick of softened butter next to it. Dinner is the culmination of the day to a housewife. It is what she thinks about from the moment that she wakes up and what she puts away when she closes her eyes for sleep. The dining room is her temple and the kitchen her life's work. In a persistent manner, she had asked for the dining room set. Gardenstown had a furniture store just off Main Street, and every week before her trip to the grocery store, she would look in the window of Thomas Furniture. It wasn't coveting as much as an honest want when she looked at the table and the matching buffet in the front window of the store. Can I help you, Miss Harmon? Mr. Thomas asked. Uh, just looking, she replied. It went on for months, and in the middle of December in 64, when Grandpa John was wandering through town to get a present for his wife, Mr. Thomas stopped him at the front stoop of the store. It was the easiest sell that Mr. Thomas had ever made. The family sat down on that table from Thomas Furniture. Grandpa John at the head, Sam and Donnie together at his right, Archie by himself to the left, and Grandma Marta at the foot. For a time, they ate quietly, as good food has a way of calming rowdy boys and ill-tempered men. Thanksgiving is this Thursday, said Grandma Marta. And Gino's got turkey on sale for 35 cents a pound. That means the whole dinner will only cost $5. The dinner was important to her, as it had been her mother, and she did the best she could with the budget that she was provided. I know it's Thanksgiving come Thursday, said Grandpa John. He scooted his chair closer to the table, and after a second of silence, he placed both his elbows on the table and cupped his hands together. He stared at her until their eyes met but she turned away in a surrender to his will. Snow is coming this week, Grandpa John said. He paused and ate a spoonful of beans. Even if I leave on Friday in bad weather, I won't make it to Carolina on time. Grandma Marta looked up at the man that she had married and saw that the life had been sucked out of him. The only thing that he cared about then was the business, and it had been months since he had showed her or their bed any attention. She grew lonely in the night when he was out on the road, and it'd be a lie to say that she never thought about other men, but her faith was important to her. She knew that she was loved, and that was what she held on to. She shared that same love with her boys, and that night, she tried to share it with Grandpa John, again. John, I have faith in you, she said. She looked up at him with a hopeful smile. These three boys here, she said, they look up to you. We are thankful for what you do. We will pray for good weather so that you can make it. Who is we? Grandpa John said. The boys and I. Grandpa John looked up from his plate and scanned the table. Sam met his eyes with a look of appreciation. Donnie was oblivious to the building tension, and when he looked over to Archie, his glance grew more stern. Do I need your prayers? Grandpa John asked. You think that I need fixing? Is there something wrong with the way that I provide for this family? Archie's foot began to tap quickly underneath the table. Sam watched his father, and Grandma Marta felt the tide coming in. She longed again to see the face of the man she had married. But that man was gone. Nothing is wrong with the way you provide for us, she replied. We are thankful for what you do, aren't we, boys? 
Grandpa John chose not to hear her, as his only thought was on how he had laid off his two men that day. Upon hiring them, he had told them that they would have a secure job, but he let them down. He had let himself down. He had beat himself up over it, but now he saw an easier target. Archie saw a trickle of blood run down the left cheek of Grandpa John's face, and the twitching lip and matching grinding teeth. May we be excused? Archie asked. She looked at Grandpa John, and then back to Archie. Yes, you may, she replied. Sam and Donnie, you can go too. The boys rose from the table and pushed their chairs in. Who do you think you are, woman? He asked, letting my boys go without my consent. Past the kitchen island and at the basement steps, as Donnie and Sam were halfway down, Archie looked back and met the eyes of his mother. The look of sacrifice stained her face as she nodded to him, insisting that he follow his brothers to the basement. Grandpa John stood and walked over to her at the table and clenched her arm, pulling her to a standing position. My boys too, she said. No, he responded. This is my house. Those are my boys. And you are my wife. She walked backwards and made her steps precise in an attempt at escape, but he pursued her still. Don't you talk back to me in front of my boys, he said. I need respect. She stopped about three feet from the corner of the kitchen island, where the bottom stove burner was on, and brought water to boil for the after-dinner coffee. The remaining pot of ham and beans had cooled by this time. You have it, she said, and fear was thick with humidity in her eyes. Think about the boys and what this can do to them. What it might turn them into. I do think about them, he responded, and I realize that you have turned them into little pussies. John, please, she said. So what are you afraid of that I might turn them into, he asked. Me? The kettle of water began to boil and started to whistle. Grandma Marta turned to take it off the stove. He grabbed her again, and this time his grasp left a bruise on the instant that he made contact. Downstairs, the boys were on edge. Archie stood at the foot of the stairs, keeping his body hidden, while leaning his head over and looking up the stairs. It's not right for him to treat her like that, he said. Sam rested on his knees in a prayer-like position. No, it's not, he said. But what are we going to do about it? Donnie was in the middle of the room playing with his white toy truck. He rolled it back and forth. Dad is kind of like King, Donnie said. He gets what he wants. Archie shook his head at his youngest brother. He may be king, but that doesn't make him a good one. Upstairs, Grandpa John bore down on Grandma Marta. A thousand thoughts ran through her mind. She remembered the kind and quiet young man that he had been when they first met. How he'd opened doors for her, or how he brought home roses every Friday, and even the jewelry he had given on the holidays. His first outburst of anger happened a year after he had come back from the war, to which he had promptly apologized and promised that it would never happen again. Look at me, Grandpa John said. He lifted her chin with force. In my house, you will serve me. She met his eyes with her own. This is our house. These are our boys, and this is our family. If we don't share it together, then it means nothing. We are nothing, she said. The kettle on the stove whistled at a boil, as steam emitted from its spout. We are nothing, Grandpa John said. You are nothing. It happened so fast that she didn't have time to react. His slap across her face made her turn, but it was a shove that unraveled her. Her feet left the ground and she let out a gasp of a scream. Time slowed for the both of them, 
as her head flew towards the kitchen island counter. Their eyes met and she could see an apology deep inside of him, but he held on to it and he didn't let it out. I'm going up, Archie said. Somebody has to do something. Sam stopped him before he made it to the second step of the stairs. No, Archie, he said and held his older brother back. Grandma Marta's head hit the edge of the counter and her body fell limply to the floor. All consciousness had left her. Marta, he said. Get up, Marta. He looked down at his hands and didn't recognize them. He had loved her at one point, as he had once loved himself. He touched his ear and felt the defect that he had given himself. He didn't want to become that man again. He walked to the staircase that led to the basement and saw Archie duck out of view. He then walked back to his wife. I'm sorry, Marta, he said. He took his wallet from the back pocket of his blue jeans and pulled out the only bill inside. It was a 20, and he set it on the counter next to the boiling kettle of water. Have a good Thanksgiving, Grandpa John said. He then put on his boots and left, after which Archie sprinted up from the basement and the other two followed. Mom! Archie cried. He ran down and slid on the floor next to her, cupping her head to his chest. Sam stood strong, but Donnie hung back, and the water kettle whistled still. Will somebody get that damn kettle? Archie asked. Donnie stood and took the kettle from the burner and the steam stopped emitting. The whistling quit and the water inside became still. And the three boys sat in the kitchen and waited for their mother to wake.